This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. And so our next guest, Mike May, he's the VP of Business Strategy at Huge. Hello, Mike. How are you, Barbara? So uh, we were just discussing here in the studio exactly what is Huge. Can you tell us exactly what, what your company does? Sure. We are a marketing and experience agency with our roots firmly in digital. So we're ultimately a full-service agency. We'll do everything from your website to your TV commercial. Oh, interesting. But, like uh, an advertising all, agency. Exactly. But mm-hmm. really... We started in the digital age and have never left that behind. It's a core part of our philosophy and thinking about the, the user experience. Well, that's pretty much truth now. I mean, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. what else is there if it's not digital? I right. mean, even TV is digital. Print is right. digital now. I, all those words don't even mean anything anymore. Exactly. No, we're all, we're all doing the same thing. It's just a matter of where we started and what our trajectory is, right? You've got people who are starting in the analog side, moving to digital, and then you've got us going the other direction. But we're all sort of... You know, to use your, your your last guess, we're all sort of moving towards the mean. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That <laughs> well, done, good. Sir. Nice. So, um, and so you you study brands. I mean, I I know you have some pretty big clients. Like, who are some of your clients? Are you allowed to say who some of your clients are? I can yeah, I can talk a little bit about some of our clients. So we've done work. Uh, I work in the D.C. office, and we have uh, you know a dozen or so offices around the country. But the work that we do a lot in D.C. is we do a lot of. Um, government and nonprofit work. So we work with some government agencies like the Department of Education, Federal Student Aid. We work with the State Department. We work with um, AARP in the past and Gannett slash USA Today in the past, a lot of organizations like that. Wow. Uh, we end up doing a lot more mission-based work as well. So mm. um, working with healthcare and hospital systems, for example, and nonprofits and sort of uh, that part of the spectrum, which I think is from a branding perspective is really satisfying. And I think that's going to dovetail nicely into our conversation today. So what we have you on to talk about is Nike, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you've been under a rock for the last uh, couple weeks and don't know what Nike's doing, why don't you tell us about Nike's new campaign? I know America's has like <laughs> been talking about this all over the place also, but why don't you tell us your perspective and then we'll dissect that campaign. So, I mean, the key upshot here is that it's the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It tagline in that campaign. And Nike chose as its primary spokesperson for this revival of the campaign as Colin Kaepernick. He has been a Nike-supported athlete for, I think, the last four years, so they didn't bring him in expressly for this. He didn't have an NFL contract, so he just wasn't as visible as part of their roster, but they shone the spotlight on him for this campaign. And as you can imagine, um, because of his role around uh, protests at NFL games, it has been a flashpoint for opinions um, from both sides on uh, whether or not Nike should be doing this, which is broadening into a larger conversation about the role of brands in politics and the right. role of politics and brands. So when they announced this, wasn't this um, during the U.S. Open? Was that was the timing on that the same? Did they? Do you know that? It, Serena Williams was part of it as well. That's so why that, I was yeah. saying that exactly because she got herself into a little controversial <laughs> dizzy as well. Yeah, unrelated. And I don't think that Nike <laughs> caught any flack for that. I think Colin was providing enough air cover that the <laughs> cat suit happened to have the Nike logo on it as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, that part, she was part of that campaign I'm, and yep, was very were, much a very positive role model in a different a way num- before yeah, the final. Exactly. There were a number of athletes who were part of that campaign. There was another football player who was missing a hand. Um, right. Or, you know, there, there are a couple of others as well as part of that. Um, 
And, you know, in a different time, I think all of them would have received equal billing. Mm -hmm. Nike chose to elevate Mm -hmm. Kaepernick. And even if they didn't, he would have um, aggregated most of the attention, I think, because Mm -hmm. of you know, be, because of the political component of it. Now, let me just step back, Mike, and uh, put it into context here and just ask you the question. Should brands be involving themselves in hot-button political ideological issues? What's your take on that? What's your stance? So, it depends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it okay. sounds like a good answer. <laughs> that, that's a fantastic answer. The beginning answer. of a very good answer. Yes. Well, and, and, and it depends, and, and I'll give you the reasons why. There's a few different lenses you could look at this from, right? One is, you know, the brand-centric lens. So should Nike take a position on this? Should Dick's Sporting Goods take a position on gun control or Levi's take a position on gun control or Patagonia on the environment? And when you look at it from the brand's perspective, the question you have to answer is, does it drive sales and or strengthen the brand's positioning or clarity or reach or some Just other... Just a method? straight business perspective here. Exactly, right. exactly. So what is, the, what is the ROI of that? And we can talk a lot about that because I think what's happening is that this era of tribalism we're in right now mm-hmm. has changed the risk and reward scenario for that equation significantly. Um, so that's one lens, and I want to come back to that. The okay. second lens is, you know, is a company-centric lens. And this has nothing to do with traditional outward-facing brand metrics. But you know, right now, we are at 3.9% unemployment in this country. Mm-hmm. Nike has over 70,000 employees, 12,000 of whom work at their headquarters in Beaverton, and they've got a 200 company stores across the country as well. It's getting harder and harder to attract and retain employees, particularly top talent that major companies like, like, like Nike needs. So a lot of the energy that I see brands putting into initiatives like this is also to drive employee engagement and satisfaction. So the people you count on every day to bring your products to market and keep your customers happy are as energized about the company. You know, that's interesting that you say that because uh, we talk to Warby Parker a lot, Neil Blumenthal in particular, because he's a Wharton MBA and we're very proud of of Warby. And his brand has a mission. Um, And one of the missions is every pair of glasses they sell, they give away a pair of glasses to those in need. And when we talked about to him about whether that was a branding initiative or what, he said it probably doesn't influence purchase that much as much as it influences people who want to work for him. I'm not surprised to hear that. Yeah, so that's consistent with what you're saying. And he was lucky to have launched his company in an era where brand values were already starting to matter. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen when Nike launched, right? It didn't happen when um, Starbucks launched. And so it's, it's a relatively new construct that's becoming increasingly important. It still follows the same mechanics of branding, right? All brands want attributes ascribed to them that their customers either see ascribed to themselves as well or aspire to have those attributes ascribed to them. The difference is that before, you know, the attributes were more personal or more psychological, and today these attributes are increasingly value-driven. I want to be seen as caring. I want to be seen as someone who takes care of the environment. Mm-hmm. I want to be seen as somebody who's, who's driven to, you know, to perpetuate equality, things like that, as opposed to high performance or creativity or... Or, you know, or, or things like that. So let me let me push back a little bit here, Mike, because I love this analysis you put forth, the brand-centric lens and also the company-centric lens. Yeah. But I want to play devil's advocate here. So why, why would you want to, as a company, 
uh, why would you want to say inside the four walls of the building, I'm going to set forth this, this set of this mission if I'm Nike. And if you're the type of person who believes that, for example, kneeling at an NFL football game is somehow disrespectful to a quote unquote American identity or our military uh, troops, you know, fighting for freedom in other uh, dangerous places. Why would I want to alienate you? If you're equally excited about Nike and you like Nike just as much, why would I want to send you the signal that you're not, your view is not necessarily welcome here inside the four walls of the building for Nike? Why would I do that? So you never want to alienate good employees, just like you never want to alienate good customers. I don't know how Nike would have gone through that process internally. My assumption is that they are as smart about HR as they are about marketing. Mm -hmm. And they're a world-class marketing organization. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, they took a very close look at their the customers they had today and the mm -hmm. customers they need in the future to be successful. And they calculated that even though they were going to alienate some customers, mm -hmm. if, they net, did, net. if mm -hmm. they did this loudly enough, they would make up for that loss with a number of new customers. Interesting. Yeah, because my, my understanding is that, and you can correct me if you have better data on this, Mike, that somewhere between 60-65% of their revenues come from overseas or international right. markets, right? That's about 60% is what the last data that I saw. Interesting. So you're saying, you're saying, listen, we're making a strategic, this is strategic calculus. We're going to, it's marketing. We know who we're going to segment to. And in some senses, Mike, you know, they didn't come out and say, you know what, if you think kneeling at a football game is disrespectful to American identity and our military troops, you're an idiot. They didn't say that. The message was simply, listen, you have to believe in something, right. even if it means sacrificing everything. And maybe your something is exactly that, that yeah. it's disrespectful. You know what I mean? So in some yep. sense, it's like the message is out there. If you want to see it as some kind of... Yeah, the message itself wasn't that yeah, political. It's yeah. just the person are, they chose was very polarizing. Yeah, but people are ascribing this kind yeah. of, to, to Mike's point, yep. hot tribalism is causing this kind of right, polarization, right, right Mike? There's no gray area, right? It's either you're with us or you're against us on so many different issues. Mm -hmm. You but used a really important word, Americus, as a strategist I pay attention to. You said strategy. Because what <laughs> Nike is doing, you're talking about, and I don't know if this is what Nike is doing. No, you're talking, though, as though for this to be successful, it needs to be a cultural element and not just a campaign. Mm -hmm. Right. If this is just mm -hmm. a campaign and Nike's trying to win some customers mm -hmm. and they end up alienating key employees or key suppliers or somebody else in the process, then mm -hmm. that's a mistake. But if this ends up being part of their strategy, if this ends up being part of mm -hmm. not just a marketing strategy, but becomes part of their DNA and the way they think and the way they operate, then mm -hmm. it's something that I expect we will see more iterations of in the future. What is the what is the next um, the next concept that this campaign will take a uh, take its form in? Well, this has been really interesting, Mike May. Thank you so much for coming on the show oh, with us pleasure. tonight. Thanks for asking me. It has been great. And if you want to find more about Mike, go to hugeinc.com or follow them on Twitter at hugeinc. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.